أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد وآله الطاهرين اللهم صل على محمد وآل محمد Last session we began with um, uh, khalwa and seclusion slash isolation and so we want to continue this discussion today Ayatollah Jawadi, he takes the discussion to how, I mean, if you remember, we talked about this, how he uh, doesn't get too much into the actual khalwa a person should have. He just keeps talking about how khalwa should not be. He, he keeps talking about the negative khalwa and seclusion and how we should stay away from that. And so here he wants to, he's continuing on that path that he's on and that direction that he's taking. And so he talks about how one should not uh, uh, take color from others, so to speak, and should give color, as a matter of fact. And he takes the Prophet as an example. So I want to read a little bit off of what he says. And then there are other matters as well that we need to talk about. So he says that the Qur'an describes khalwa in this way. That uh, while you are with others, and you are swimming, if you remember that term was used in our last session, swimming in the different tasks that you have throughout the day. At the same time, you're not going to be part of the batil of the people and the falsehood of the people. In other words, be among the people, don't be with the people. All right, This is how our greats were. They were among the people, but they were not with the people in the sense that it's not that uh, anything that people do, that, per that person is going to necessarily be involved, engaged, and paying attention to that. No, not, not necessarily the case. You look at the person, the person's there, right? The person is there among the others, but it's as if they're not there. Why? Because if you were to, if you were to look inside, you'll find that their attention is somewhere else. Because look, if we're going to always be with the people while we're also amongst them, the problem with that is that we're not going to ever be able to have this khalwa. This khalwa only comes as a result of making sure that at least on the inside, even if I'm physically with the people, at least on the inside, yes, I'm secluded. And so that's what he's saying here. He says this swimming that you're doing in social matters and affairs of society should not distract you so that you now have a whole load of, he says, khatirat. khatirat. All these whispers and voices and baggage that you have in your mind now. Yeah, whenever you want to concentrate on something, a hundred things come to your mind. And Farsi khatirat means memory. But here it's like anything that you know comes in your mind. He says, if, you do, if this happens when you're in the day, you're among the people, but you're also with them, with everything that happens, what happens is at night you're going to have all this load of baggage that is going to show itself when you wake up to pray. <laughs> and it's going to distract you and cause problems for you. In other words, he says, you're supposed to give a metaphysical color to others, but you're not supposed to take on the color that they're trying to give you. Now, it's not something that they're actively and deliberately trying to do the people out there. People are living their lives. But with every single person and every single single conversation will come baggage. We have to understand that. 
And so, of course, to an extent, it will be necessary for us to be engaged with the people. It's not like we can uh, run away from it. But at the same time, we have to be cognizant of this fact that, yeah, each of these comes with their baggage. And then he says, he says the flip side. He says, there's also a chance that a person will be amongst the people and at the same time is taking on the color that they give them. Okay, he keeps using this word color for a reason. We'll get to the verse. And so as a result, all of those things in their mind in the day is going to distract them in the time of Sahar. Yes, when they wake up before Fajr. And so this person's Salat al-Layl will become like their Salat al-Nahar. Salat al-Nahar, the, the prayer of the day. Usually Dhuhr and Asr are the worst prayers. Have you noticed? <laughs> or some for some maybe Maghrib and Isha. Why? Because you know it's after a long day of work and um, all the things that we've said and done and yeah and haven't gotten done. All of that is in our mind. So he says, look, Salat al-Layl at least is not supposed to be like this because we talked about this in our last session. He took the whole discussion of seclusion or isolation to Salat al-Layl. He says, look, practically speaking, that's going to be the only time you really get that opportunity with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so if a person allows this to happen throughout the day, then what's going to happen is at night even, their Salat al-Layl is going to be like the, day, like the Salat of the day. But the Prophet, he says, was not like this. He would give divine metaphysical color to people, but he wouldn't take their color and adopt it. Sibqa, the verse says, this is the color of Allah. This Sibqa in Arabic means color. The Prophet was giving that off to others, but was not accepting it from others. Yes. And so to prove this point, Ayatollah Jawadi, he cites four verses here of how the Prophet was amongst the people, but he was not necessarily with them. The people comprising of believers, disbelievers, mushrikeen, and so on. So the first verse, Surah Muzzammil, verse 10. وَهْجُرْهُمْ hajran jamila, O Prophet, keep away from them in a graceful manner. Okay? Keep away from them in a graceful manner. Did the Prophet ﷺ leave the people ever? No, he was there in Mecca and Medina. He was amongst the people. So this uhjurhum that we have here uh, doesn't mean that migrate and leave them all. Okay, What it means is that, according to what he's trying to prove here, is that what you should do is, instead of leaving them and going, but keep away from them. Keep away from them. Does that mean the Prophet wasn't speaking to the mushrikeen, wasn't trying to invite them to, to, to haq and faith and Islam? No, he was. So this hijrah here, one can say, according to what you know, this context that he's bringing the verse in, means to be with the people, but not be with the people. Be amongst them, but not be with them. Not to take any effect from them, but rather affect them. That's one verse. Or another verse. Surah An'am verse 70. Leave alone those who take their religion for play. La'iban. And diversion. And whom the life of this world has deceived. Leave alone. Dhar. That is an amr, command. Alright? Leave them, the ones who are like this. Leave them. Did the Prophet ever leave them and like just go outside of Mecca or Medina? No. 
And the only, I mean, the only time he left Mecca was when, when his life was in danger. But other than that, he didn't leave the people; he was amongst them. So what does it mean? Well, It means don't take an effect, don't let them affect you, don't take on their color, so to speak. You affect them, you don't let them affect you. Once again, he's amongst the people, but not with them. This next one, Surah An'am, verse 91. قُلِ اللَّهِ Say Allah. Like there's one word we're talking about here, Allah. That's all I, that's all I care about. قُلْ اللَّهِ ثُمَّ ذَرْهُمْ The same verb here. ذَرْهُمْ فِي خَوْبِهِمْ يَلْعَبُونَ Say Allah. Like that's all that matters. Allah. Then leave them to play around in their impious gossip, whatever they're saying and talking about, whatever entertainment they have going on for them. So you do your job, you try to affect them, say Allah to them, but at the same time leave them. You see someone might say, but that's a, that's a discrepancy here. Like, are, is he supposed to be with them and talk to them about Allah or leave them? Which one is it? Well, with this kind of interpretation of the verse, both, both are possible. They're not mutually exclusive. Speak to them of Allah, but at the same time, if they're talking about stuff that's nonsense and in vain, let them do what they want to do. Don't let it affect you at least. Last verse here, Surah An'am verse 68. وَإِذَا رَأَيْتَ الَّذِينَ يَخُوضُونَ فِي آيَاتِنَا فَأَعْرِضْ عَنْهُمْ حَتَّى يَخُوضُوا فِي حَدِيثٍ غَيْرِهِ When you see those who gossip impiously about our signs, so they're mocking Allah's signs, avoid them so they engage in some other discourse. So Ayatullah Jawadi here, he uses these verses to say, look, خَلْوَى doesn't mean to necessarily seclude yourself from everybody. Go live in, atop a mountain. Do your part, but you ha there's a struggle here that you're dealing with. Understand that. And that is you don't let these little weaklings, when it comes to spirituality, these little weaklings affect you. All right. Sometimes you'll find yourself in a circle of people that are weaklings. All right. I hate to use that word, uh, but that's, that's the reality. They are weaklings. Doesn't necessarily mean, all right, I'm going to stay away from them. Although, as I said last session, sometimes in some cases um, and, and, and in certain circumstances, sometimes the seclusion and isolation is good, actually. And I personally feel that our grades encourage it. But that has its place in time. But sometimes you'll find yourself in a circle of weaklings. And when, they're we when, you, have, when you have weaklings surrounding you, you have to be careful they don't make you a weakling as well. Alright, so maybe when you're amongst a certain people like that, you need to bump up your game when it comes to dhikrullah and remembering Allah. In the, when you're sitting and talking to people, there's a lot of laughter and joking around. Alright, fine. But every now and then, uh, remind yourself like what's going on. Don't let that affect you so much that, okay, at the end of the night, when I go to sleep, I'm going to sleep with a bunch of now baggage with me. And we even have a hadith that says, I, I don't remember it exactly, but when you really laugh out loud, like something's really funny. Some of these memes are really funny, by the way. <laughs> All right. And it, you really crack up. After that, say, oh Allah, and I, this is the part I don't remember. It, something along the lines of, Allahumma la tamqut ni or bi. That, oh Allah, don't hold me, like don't punish me greatly for this, this big laughter that I had. This, Yeah. Why? Because that, that kind of laughter is like, it kind of, it kind of uh, reflects that state of oblivion that we're in. At that moment when you're laughing that much, yeah, it's not the best thing. I'm not saying don't laugh or joke or whatever. 
Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, to this extent, there is room for some people to take some precaution so that certain things don't affect them. Is that does it apply to me? Not necessarily. Just saying it for her, for whoever it might apply to. All right. So Ayatollah Jawadi, this is the conclusion he draws from these four verses. He says these verses show that the Prophet ﷺ, who was the pinnacle of suluk and spiritual wayfaring, has a responsibility to be in the society that he's in and not to isolate himself from them, but at the same time isolate himself from the, the vice and evil and falsehood and vain that they might carry with them. So it's a struggle. That is a struggle to be with the people, but not be with them. In other words, be with them, but not let them affect you. So that, that requires a constant vigilance, it seems. I mean, there's no other way, really. Yeah. All right. So now he moves on. He says that, do you know why seclusion is so important? Do you know why it's so important to shut off all the noise that you have around you sometimes? All of this discussion, all of this discussion has to do with something we alluded to last week as well. Okay? And that is he believes, and I forgot to check, but there are a hadith for this as well. There are certain times of the day that there will be a lot of signals and messages coming from above. Okay? And so you want to be able to absorb all of that. To be able to listen, so to speak, of course, listen to what's being said in Fajr time, in other times where these these special blessings are showering down. In Bayna Tulu'ain, they say, this is the hadith I wanted to look up. That time bef between Fajr and sunrise is also a very precious time. Very precious time. And so there's a lot of stuff happening then. I want to be part of that. I want to take those signals in. I want to hear those calls, so to speak. He says, this is why isolation is so important. So then he starts sharing with us the different types of calls and signals we have. I think he divides them up into three or four. Three, I think, yeah. Number one, he says, the nida of Allah Himself. The call and signals coming from Allah Himself. All right, that's something we want to benefit from. Ya ayyuhan nas, ya ladina amanu, ya bani adam. Even in the Quran, he uses these same nidas. And he says that these nidas, these calls of Allah, it's not like they happen once and it's over. It's constant and perpetual and never ending. Every moment there is a call coming from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the problem is that there isn't anyone to hear it. <laughs> that's the problem, he says. And then he said, he. He brings a, a, a line of poetry here. He says, it's in Farsi, of course. He says, Musa inist ketosote anal haq shenavat, varna in zemzeme andar shajari nist kenist. Which means there is no Musa to hear the call of anal haq. I am the haq. So when Allah addressed Prophet Musa, he's, you know, something, he said something along the lines of anal haq. I am, I am Allah. And so, something like that he said to him. So he says, the problem is that there's no Musa to hear this call, or else the call is there. Or else this call, this zemzeme, this call, this whisper, is not somewhere hidden in some the trunk of a tree that you can't hear it. It's there, it's out there. 
It's just that there's no Musa to hear it, <laughs> no recipient to take it in. So it's a perpetual call. And then he says this call by Allah is at different levels. Sometimes it's, Ya Yohannas, Ya Bani Adam. It's Allah is calling everybody. Now, of course, these are verses of the Quran, but they reflect a reality, a real call that happens. All right, always. Ya Yohannas, Ya Bani Adam. He says that is the, that is the most general call you can have. Everyone is being addressed. Sometimes it's Ya Ahl al-Kitab, people of the book. Sometimes it's for the believers, Ya Yahya Amanu. And then he says it gets narrower and narrower. Sometimes Allah is speaking to Ulul Albab, okay, or Ulul Absar, possessors of knowledge, uh, of of intellect, possessors of basira and insight and sight and seeing. And of course, it's a special sight and seeing. To the point where Allah will some some of Allah's calls will be reserved only for the messengers. Ya yuhar Rusul. So that's where it gets very narrow. So these are verses in the Quran, of course, when Allah is trying to address a certain people. But it seems that what Ayatollah Jawadi here is trying to say is that, look, this is showing us that even in reality and in the realm of existence that we are in, these calls are perpetually happening at different levels and stages. Depends where you are on the spectrum, right? To see how much of it, uh, w which one of these calls is for you. Yeah. So that's one. So if I'm going to, if I want to hear this, this voice of God, so to speak, I mean, we're all we're speaking metaphorically, of course. I hope we're clear on this. If I want to hear this, then there can't be something else, all right? Some loudspeaker in the in, in my head, all right, blasting whatever it is is blasting into me. Okay, I will not hear that this call now. He says that's number one. Number two, the call of the angels. He says, he says we have this in our sources as well, that angels are, are always calling out. Uh, one example of it is the famous one that says, Inna lillahi malakan yunadi fi kulli yawm lidu lil maut wajma'u lil fana' wabnu lil kharabi. That Allah has an angel that calls out every day. O people, uh, procreate, but know that in the end it's all death. Okay? Wajma'u, <laughs> accumulate, gather. Lil fana. Gather whatever wealth you want, but in the end, guess what? It's all going to end with destruction and fana. Wabnu lil kharabi, and build for destruction. Right? And it's interesting, the hadith doesn't say that the angel says, uh, you know, Build, and but remember that it's all going to end up in destruction. It says, build for destruction. Lil kharabi. Uh, accumulate for fana. Right? It's a really, it's a, it's, it's a very heavy statement, I would say. So this angel of God is repeating this every day, it says. Oh, I don't hear it. Well, it's not something you hear with the ears. Well, then what's the point? Well, the fact that you're asking what's the point means that you're not the addressee. <laughs> okay. Yeah, sometimes by the questions people ask, you can tell where they're at, okay? So for example, someone might say, don't they say Allah is the most just? Why is this happening to me? Well, that just shows that you haven't understood what it means that Allah is just. 
or else you wouldn't be asking this question to begin with. It shows that we need to move back a little bit and work on some other things, understanding some other more basic things first. All right. How is it they say that everything that happens for a moment is to their benefit and to their good? Why is this happening to me? Well, this shows that you don't understand that. And we, we need to stop talking like we know what we're talking about when we say, oh, Allah does everything for a reason or everything for a purpose when it comes to a believer. Because apparently you don't believe in this yet with your heart. That's why you're asking this question. And so that's okay. It's fine. But understand that we're going to have to discuss this matter in another way then and not use this argument anymore that Allah does everything for a purpose when it comes to the believer. You know? <clears throat> yes. And this way ends with saying that a lot of the nidas and calls have been attributed to the angels in our hadiths. But he doesn't bring any more examples for it. Yeah, until the Bacha, he says, if you qualify, even, even the walls are going to be speaking to you. He says this, all right? <laughs> like, they will be teaching you something, something to that effect. Let alone the angels and Allah, th those calls are perpetual, really. And then finally, he says, the third group or category of calls is the nida of the Anbiya and Awliya. That the prophets and the chosen ones, those who are close to Allah, they're also having some form of call. He doesn't really open it up too much. He does cite a few verses. Um, for example, Ta'ala atluma harrama rabbukum alaykum. Come so that I uh, preach to you, recite to you what your Lord has made haram on you. Alright, so this is a verse that has its own context. It's not talking about you know what we're talking about right now. The Prophet is talking to the people. He's just taking inspiration from this verse and using it for his own purpose. But it's not something that's directly pointing what he's pointing out what he's trying to say here. Adhan fin nasibil hajj rijalan. That uh, O Prophet called the people towards Hajj. Alright, so this is a call again. Adhanun min Allahi wa Rasulihi. This is a call from Allah and His Rasul. This is Surah Tawbah. Yeah. So he says that that's also a call that's happening. So if I want to benefit from all of this talk and conversation at night, for example, then I need to at least understand that I can't let as much baggage that I that is possible to come and mount my mind. I can't let that happen. Now someone might say, but we have no choice. The answer is yes, you have no choice. We have no choice, but we do have some choice when it comes to the excess baggage. <laughs> All right. For example, and this is where just because something is halal, for those who want to, you know, make a little more progress spiritually, just because something is halal doesn't mean that I'm going to just do it if I like to. And it entails some pleasure for me or whatever it is for me. Because that's extra baggage. All right. So for example, a person might, I still remember one of our scholars pointing this out, might watch a movie before going to sleep. Right? That watching a movie before going to sleep, that imagery might uh, come back when I wake up for Salat later. And so he was like, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to say it because they're going to say, oh, he says don't watch movies anymore or something. But like, yeah, this is extra sometimes. Sometimes, sometimes. Sometimes you just want to unwind whatever. I mean, Every person knows better, but like I do know for a fact that these uh, heavyweights, the ones who don't mess around and don't have time to waste, yeah, they're not going to watch anything before going to sleep, let alone uh, <laughs> pull up Instagram when they're actually in bed. 
you know yeah this is all extra it's all extra and so he says these calls in addition to the call of the fitra in addition to the call of the aql and intellect these are all calls that are coming our way indirectly or directly and have to do with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala directly or indir indirectly and they're always there oh, but they require an ear that can hear these calls and so for that that's why seclusion is important isolation is important but then according to him the idea was to be among the people among the social media but not with it all right i'm still waiting though i personally am still waiting for ayatollah jawadi to explain how this is possible what am i supposed to do and so he does he never gets to that <laughs> he just points out the problem and he doesn't he doesn't talk about the solution all right there's one more call and we'll, I'll, I'll, I'll expand on that a little bit later as well it, maybe it's because the solution is, is it's a tough one yeah so another uh, call that he points out as well is those verses that have to do with uh, Salat al-Layl when a person wakes up for Salat al-Layl it says the Prophet would recite these verses every time he would wake up for Salat al-Layl what are those verses? You've heard them. The the, the last verses of Surah Al-Imran, 190 to 194. And that uh, it says that he would look to the sky. I think that reciting verses like these and just thinking about it for a couple minutes, these themselves play a role in kind of getting rid of some of the clutter, at least in our minds if we wake up. But yeah. That he would look to the sky and he would recite these verses. Inna fi samawati wal ard, wa layli wa nahar, albab. You see the albab here, the possessors of intellect. That verily in the creation of the heavens and earth, and the changing of night and day, within there lies what la ayat signs, signs. For those who ponder. Who are they? الَّذِينَ يَذْكُرُونَ اللَّهَ قِيَامًا وَقُعُودًا وَعَلَىٰ جُنُوبِهِمْ The ones who remember Allah standing, sitting, and even on their sides, you know, when they're resting or maybe. Which just shows us, brothers and sisters, that um, yeah, that is dhikrullah. That is how dhikrullah works. The constant reminding, reminding. It doesn't say those who don't work, those who isolate themselves on some mountain. But no, they are with the times they're among the times and you know getting along with the times but they're not with the times as if the t times have you know some effect on them something to work towards if you want to have some form of isolation while you're still with everything going on and with everybody it's you have to have there's no choice once again it doesn't mean to hold the tasbih in front of people all right Sometimes that tasbih will not will take you in, in the presence of shaitan even if you have riya and the wrong intentions. No, just remembering every now and then. And the ones who f who reflect, reflect upon what the creation of the heavens and the earth. And then what do they say as a result? When they look around, they think, they ponder. Rabbana, ma All of this. Look at the stars. All of this. You created for me 
to just eat and drink and sleep and then die is that what it is you didn't create all of this in vain subhanaka you're much greater than that that's a that's what a dumb person does create something big only for it to like not yield anything if you're going to do something allah there's a there's a purpose behind it subhanaka you didn't create this in vain you're greater than that save us from the hellfire why because if I come to the conclusion that all of this is created in vain, that's, that means I'm not going to do anything for my afterlife. I'm not going to do anything for my growth. And what's going to happen is I'm going to end up where? Jahannam. <laughs> Very simple. So, فَقِنَا عَذَابَ النَّارِ This understanding that Allah created everything batilan and in vain is going to probably make you end up in Jahannam. So, فَقِنَا عَذَابَ النَّارِ Protect us from the hellfire. Why? The hellfire is very bad. رَبَّنَا إِنَّكَ مَنْ تُدْخِلِ النَّارِ Whoever you take to the hellfire, فَقَدْ أَخْزَيْتَهُ You've disgraced them. وَمَا لِلظَّالِمِينَ مِنْ أَنْصَارِ The ظَالِمِينَ are not going to have anyone to aid them. Here, this part. رَبَّنَا إِنَّنَا سَمِعْنَا مُنَادِيًا Oh Allah, we have heard a munadi. We have heard someone who is doing nida, is calling. Of course, it's the Prophet of Allah but you see he's using this verse again to show that, look, it's all about signals and calls. Yes, pick up that phone. Munadiyan yunadi lil iman, who's calling us to iman and saying, believe. Aminu barabbikum. Believe in your Lord, fa'amanna. So we believed. And so the verses go on. So these verses are the verses that the awliya recite when they wake up before starting their salat al layl. Yeah. And so in these verses, you have this idea of there's a call as well. Yeah. So these calls are what it's all about. We want to benefit the most from them. And this hadith came to my mind as well. That the fa- very famous hadith. It says, That your Lord, when it comes to your lives, is going to have some breezes that He blows your way. Allah in Arabic, when it comes in the, in the beginning or in the middle, it means, hey, it's getting your attention, okay? Hey, Allah, put yourselves in front of those breezes. Let those breezes hit you. These calls are there constantly. Allah's overflowing grace, all right, is at work, all right? And it's constantly flowing. We just need to open our hands and take it in. That's the problem. The problem is that there's no Musa to hear, according to that, you know, that poetry, that the poem that we read. All right. He talks about the seclusion of the Prophet a little bit as well, but that's not something that's too relevant. He he draws a nice conclusion from it though, that the Prophet's seclusion started with the birth of Imam Ali alayhi salam, and it continued, and Imam Ali reached the point where he he was a, a child and. He was young and he was going with the Prophet as well. And so he, the conclusion he draws from all of that is that this seclusion was so Mubarak, it was so uh, blessed that it happened at the same time that Imam Ali's wilada happened. He says either the wilada of Imam Ali was the cause and the effect was the seclusion of the Prophet in Hira, or vice versa, the seclusion of Prophet gave way to the birth of Imam Ali whichever one you want to choose. Or he says there's a third one, that both of them were the outcome of so- of something else that we don't know. But all in all, these were very blessed and so they happened at the same time. 
All right. Then he goes into the different types of distractions, which I mean, do we have to get into it? He categorizes them into three or four. Maybe the last one is something that we need to talk about a little bit. But all in all, look, he starts with, of course, the uh, he calls them the shawagil. You know, when you're mashgul. Yeah. Do we have that word? Mashgul, when you're busy with something, distracted with something. He says the shawagil are four types. Number one, the ones that have to do with our senses. And he says, look, that's why the nighttime is the best time for seclusion. Because that's when you've gotten your rest. That's when you're probably not too hungry. That's when you're not too full. Yes, all of these things. There isn't much happening for you to see, hear, listen to, unless your phone is going off 4 a.m. and you're still getting WhatsApp messages from uh, Pakistan or India or Iran. <laughs> yeah. But other than that, usually people aren't messaging at that time of night. Right? So there are no there are no distractions for when it comes to the senses, number one. Number two, he says that uh, the second category of shawagil and distractions are the ones that have to do with the mind and what goes on in the mind. And this is the one that he doesn't open up too much. I was expecting him to talk about this a little bit more because I know for a fact that other uh, books have spoken about this. These are called khawatir. Okay, remember I said khatere in Farsi has to do with you know those images, those uh, those 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 thoughts that come into one's mind, and memories and, and all of that. These are all referred to as khawatir. So we have this concept, okay, in spirituality, uh, that is referred to, and when it comes to praying properly and doing vikr properly, it is called nafyul khawatir. Nafy means to repel and push away something. And khawatir, of course, I, I just explained it. So pushing away the thoughts. This is the hard, I, I, this is one of the biggest struggles ever. And it's not just me saying this. These greats are talking about it. He doesn't talk about it too much. He doesn't talk about it too much and uh, doesn't open it up. All the, he, doesn't even, he doesn't even mention the word nafi khawatir. I was surprised because all the other books are talking about it. So I'm thinking maybe in another session that we have, we talk about this a little bit, what others have said about it. Nafyul khawatir is, I would say, a person who has their khawatir coming into their mind during salat, during dhikr, and we all struggle with this. It just shows that they are not in love with Allah. I'm sorry. Because <laughs> when you're in love with somebody, that's the only thing that comes to your mind, right? And you have to push your mind away from it. And so if you want to think about something else, you really have to push your mind away from that which you are in love with. And so I hate to say this, and I'm not talking about you all, I'm talking about myself. My Lord is my work. My Lord is my uh, is the, the task I have to do throughout the day. My Lord is what I'm going to tell this person and that person, how I'm going to like figure this problem out and that problem. That, these are my Lord, I'm sorry. Because that's what I'm thinking about in Salat and during Dhikr. I am sorry. The fact that if I want to do Dhikr, in the middle of my dhikr, I get a little bored. I have to pick up the phone and just take a look at my phone real quick. Yeah, that shows that that's my Lord. I'm sorry. This is not you know the shirk that gets you makes you non-Muslim, of course, right? But at the end of the day, um, yeah, that is my subtle shirk. I'm sorry. And so this nafyul khawatir is the best way I would say to gauge how much I have Allah in my life or how much I am into Allah. Let's say. How much is that happening? Yes, from start to finish. It happens lots of times, from start to finish. I don't know why, it's the best time to think about stuff. <laughs> it's a lot of time. 
As a matter of fact, we had this online thing years ago before I came back here. And uh, we're it was th this, this was the discussion. It was about, you know, paying attention to a lot, things like that. Someone called in and I was surprised. He's saying, but no, as a matter of fact, the best thoughts come at that time. The best solutions to think things come at that time when you're praying. And this might be Allah giving you the solution to things. I was like, bro, relax, man. <laughs> this is, man, how... Like no, this is the, this is exactly what they're telling not us, for us not to do. That it shows that you believe in yourself, not in Allah. That you're saying, "Oh Allah, I'm gonna figure this out in my salat. Don't, I don't, I'm not gonna talk to you right now. No, four minutes. Give Allah four minutes. Why does Allah have to figure out my problems in salat time? And when all the hadiths are saying it should be vice versa, it should be that." You are going to give everything to Allah so that throughout the day, for example, He'll help you and so on. I don't get, I don't get it. I, yeah, it just shows that, I mean, God with this salat that He has prescribed for us, He is practically showing us how weak we are, I would say. And how much we don't care about Him. I'm sorry. The salat reflects how good, how good a job I'm doing in my, in my journey to Allah. It, 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 it reflects it. And so what Ayatollah Bahjad says really makes sense that I've shared with you before. That at least in the middle of your Salat, when you remember, because he's like, he kind of, when he's saying this, he sounds like it's impossible for a person to go from start to finish and not even remember that they're praying. He says there will be that moment that comes where in your, in your Salat, you're like, whoa, wait a minute, I was praying. He says, hold on to that and don't let it go then at least. Voluntarily don't walk away from it. It's crazy though, because in your Salat, when you have that moment and you remember, it's like you slowly turn away from it again. Really, like it's this thing that's happening in your mind. Well, it just shows that we have a lot of work to do. So this second category is the ones that have to do with the khiyal in the mind. And then the third one, he says, there, you know, uh, the shahwa and ghadab, that's also a distraction, but you don't have that in the middle of the night, yeah, towards sahar and uh, time of fajr. Uh, the, the lustful and slash, or the, the stuff that has to do with anger and all that, that's not happening either. And then the last one, he says, this one is also one that I said, I thought, you know, maybe we should talk about. He says, yeah, and sometimes it'll be thoughts that are coming from, you know, your own intellectual endeavors and the, in, the, the the good ideas of scholars and, and you know some good things even like so for example like I come across a verse in the Quran that I'm doing tafsir of and I spent four hours on it and I and I'm about to unlock it but like it's time to sleep and I fall asleep and whatever all right when I wake up in the middle of the night even that is going to be a distraction once again who's the Lord Allah or tafsir of Quran which one is it right so all of these things he says they are a distraction. And so finally, he ends with this. He says, all right, there's a lot that we have to deal with in the day. All right, and we have no choice. First of all, stick to whatever you have to do. Don't bring excess when it's not necessary. And brothers and sisters, I don't want us to be OCD about this. All right. That's number one. But number two, he says, Throughout the day, when you want to do something, at least begin with Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Why? Because he says a haram act or a makruh act is not something you're going to start with Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alright? So at least say Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim to make sure that what you're doing throughout the day at least is in line with Allah's satisfaction, number one. 
And number two, or and also if you can, Rabbi, uh, recite Rabbi Adkhilni Mudkhala Sidq wa Akhrijni Mukhraj Sidq when you're doing something. Which means basically, oh Allah, enter me into this uh, and, and the entrance of a truthful one. In other words, I'm doing this for you. I want to be truthful about this. Really, this is for you. He says once again, this can only happen with wajib and mustahab. Nothing else. And O Allah, as I end this job, this work that I do, I leave with truthfulness and sidq. Yes? And with a full, you know, with, with, with uh, what do they say? You're taking as much benefit as I can from it. He says this can only also be possible if um, that is something that you're doing for Allah and is wajib or mustahab. Yeah. All of this means that, brothers and sisters, even if uh, you want to do something recreational, yeah, you're doing that also so that you can relax a little bit, unwind a little bit, so that you can get back to what matters. All of this can be done for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And once again, we don't want to be waswasi about things either. And sometimes even this might cause us to become so OCD that it hurts ourselves or our families. No, a balance. A balance should be there. But all in all, this is how the greats are looking at the whole thing. All right. But as I said, there are some things to talk about. Let's see. I might talk about it in our next session. I might not. Um, but here he ends his discussion and he moves on to tafakkur and reflection. And he wants to talk about that as well. All right. So inshallah till our next session. Walhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Any questions? Yes, brother. Yes, so he's asking, are there any recommendations how we can improve our um, concentration in Salat? That's exactly why I want to talk about Nafti al-Khawatir more. Because there they've given some guidelines, they have given some recommendations. My guess is Ayatollah Jawadi knows this is one of the hardest things, number one. Number two, he knows other books have spoken about it. So he just wanted to make it clear that one, people, seclusion, khalwa, doesn't necessarily mean go live in a mountain. And number two, that um, uh, if you're going to be with the people, be amongst them. But, you know, have that separation as well to an extent and always remind yourself of things. I think that's what he wanted to make clear because he's assuming that people are going to read about Nafi al-Khawatir elsewhere. Yeah, but there are some good things. So, inshallah, I guess we'll have to do that then or at least talk about it a little bit next session, inshallah. Anything else? Yes. Yeah, that's the point he was trying to make. He wants to say the exact thing you just said. De we need to declutter as much as possible. I just don't know how it happens in this day and age because of just how, just the nature of the work and how it is today. Remember last session, we talked about this a little bit. How in the past, the guy, all he worries about is what? A little bit of bread that he has to eat at the end of the day. The bread back then was good stuff, by the way. <laughs> all right, nowadays it's different. All right, the proper bread. All right, he's like, that's my meal. And I'm going to have to spend the whole day, you know, for that purpose. Finished. <laughs> That's all you got to worry about. Nowadays is different. Every one of us has a million things they have to deal with. So 
how does this de decluttering work exactly? How, what does it look like? I don't know how to, I don't know. I really don't know. But it's, it's, it, it, he is at least trying to let us know that, look, this is a problem. And so at least get rid of the excess. Identify the excess and get rid of the excess because even that much is good. Yeah. All right. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Salawat. Allahumma sallallahu alayhi And before I let all of you go, for December, because we don't have class next week, by the way. Thanksgiving, of course. Who does class on Thanksgiving? That is, those are some good distractions in Thanksgiving. Anyway, um, oh, this is recording. Let me. <laughs>